Speaking to the Los Angeles Times yesterday, Santa Clara County Health Officer Dr. Sarah Cody described the state's hospital capacity like a water balloon. Our healthcare system is quite stretched, not yet to the breaking point, but steadily marching toward that point. And like a water balloon, when it explodes, it's not subtle. This tension is being felt statewide as California handles the latest and most intense wave of COVID-19. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Paul Sisson, you're the lead COVID writer for the San Diego Union-Tribune. Can you bring us up to speed? How exactly has the pandemic worsened in recent weeks? Yeah, that water balloon is really stretching here in San Diego, as near as we can tell. Earlier in the week, last week, we heard a lot about how staffing shortages really being felt in intensive care units. Uh, what we learned yesterday from some of our top EMS officials is that over the end and into this week, there's been a real surge in emergency departments across the county with half or more at one time going on what they call bypass. And that's where we stop allowing additional ambulances uh, to come into an emergency room unless they're from their home territory. So starting to look really uh, quite tight in emergency rooms as well. Mm -hmm. And it's been nearly 10 days since our region, the Southern California region, hit the 15% ICU availability threshold. Given that we've been in this position of strain for that long, how does that affect local hospitals? Like, at what point is this no longer sustainable? It's really unclear. You know, we've seen some internal documents and things from the hospital association Hospitals indicate that uh, there are many hospitals in our community that have zero staffed and immediately available. Uh, reach out to them to find out what happens next. They they kind of back. Ah, we can take more patients. Uh, you know, nothing to see here. Um, so you know, it's, uh, it's a little foggy at the moment in terms of how this is playing out in the places that are hit the hardest, at least in our community. Uh, but we. Yesterday, from the association, they've reached out to the state through the county to request uh, emergency staffing, especially for ICUs. So that's one thing that we can we can expect in the coming uh, days and weeks to see is perhaps some hospitals starting to get some help from the special uh, state surge teams that come in when available staffing resources just run out. And what do we know about that extra surge staffing that's available? Because, you know, this isn't just happening here. This is happening all across the country. And also in the, the Central Valley, they're nearly out of beds entirely. Like, are we first in line for these resources or are we going to have to wait our turn based on how things are in other parts of the state? It's a little unclear as well. What it's inventory is, uh, you know, they contract nurses, they have a state medical corps, they, they, they do have some resources at their disposal disposal that they can use in emergencies. Um, but I, I think I, it's probably not as bad here as it is in San Joaquin Valley, uh, as it is out in Imperial County. I think our local hospital would have to be uh, behind those other places that are a little bit worse uh, than, than it is here at the moment. Um, although I, th I think they are doing a little triage at the state level, kind of a little by hospital basis. So you know, even though the whole county might be doing a little better than other counties, if there's one or two hospitals in there in the mix that are really, really getting hit hard, uh, you know, you see them get some help. You know, we've seen that uh, 
recently with our, our nursing homes, actually. Uh, one of our reporters, Lauren Mack, or two ago, uh, talked about how the National Guard had to come in and, and help some, uh, some medically trained folks with the National Guard had to come in and help out some of our local skilled nursing facilities that were just running out of staff. Uh, so, so we do have some evidence that they can kind of go, you know, just very focused at the point where the, the greatest. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned at first uh, how some ambulances have had to divert uh, in creating some waits for some patients. Can you explain some of those scenarios and how that exactly works? Like if I were to get in an accident, what would happen if, you know, my ambulance gets diverted from where it would normally take me? Right. So, you know, it's a little tell and a little complicated. So bear with me. Uh, normal circumstance, what would happen? Let's say you got in a, in a car accident and they wanted to take you to the nearest hospital. Uh, actually, it would probably, if it was a bad enough accident, be the nearest trauma center, which is a whole, <laughs> whole other issue. But let's just say just a, just a, you know, the closest hospital uh, and your accident occurred within that hospital's emergency area that they're just that they're responsible for. I mean, they each have main dispatch territory where you know. Ambulance goes out to the scene and calls in on the radio. They're calling to the base station of the closest hospital that is set up to take those emergency patients right away. Um, if you were in their territory, you would go straight to them. If that accident was outside of their territory and they were on bypass, you would be taking some else. Uh, now, what happened uh, yesterday, and this is what we can tell is unprecedented, uh, is that the county EMS service said, okay, it's not even helping some of our hospitals anymore. Uh, they were saying, for example, over the weekend, they had two uh, two ambulances show up at a local hospital that was already on bypass and still waiting five and seven hours to discharge the, the hospital to get back on the streets again. Uh, so, so they said, okay, we're going to kind of create a new level of bypass where now, you know, if you request it and it's approved from the county EMS service, total bypass. No ambulance will come to you unless somebody is in it dying. Uh, and that's, that's in order to help uh, kind of decompress uh, hospitals where, where normal bypass isn't really helping. Um, and it, you know, the moment that they had this new procedure yesterday, it already was put into use. Uh, one hospital, you know, according to a physician that I was talking to at the county in charge of the EMS system, had 17 advanced life support patients arrive in less than an hour. Uh, and so they, they put them on this total bypass and within an hour or two, uh, things had calmed down enough for them to come back online. So the idea is just to put, kind of let them decompress and let the cases they already have kind of churn through the emergency department. And some get admitted, some get sent home, you know, what have you. Mm-hmm. And that kind of explains the intake itself of all of these patients. But inside the hospitals, when do decisions get made to offer different standards of care? Because at a certain point, you can't, you know, act as you normally did in normal times. You need to kind of go in triage mode. What are some of those decisions get made when things get too busy in ICUs? Generally, this is physicians making these decisions. Um, you know, and we saw that a lot in New York uh, in the spring when they really had a terrible surge in their hospitals. Uh, and, you know, they start making... Um, highest and best use kind of, and they have to stay, you know, if they have a limited resource and they can only give it to Bob or Cindy, they have to look and say, you know, 
Bob or Cindy is, is going to benefit the most uh, from that care. Uh, and so then they're that's just awful to of, of without, you know, might be older, might have a uh, co coexisting condition that might make them less likely to recover, uh, you know, so they might get younger or in better overall health just because their list is that that person is likely to, uh, you know, do better, have a better outcome. And uh, considering this surge nationwide, does this affect the ability of the county and the state to get some travel nurses to kind of help ease the load? Yeah, you know, it's a uh, it's very clear that a lot of the trainers have been pulled eastward. Uh, you know, the hospitals on in the east really very much this whole hospital surge a month before we did or more. Uh, you know, so a lot of travelers have been pulled to the east. We've heard some hospitals locally saying that you know, even within San Diego, they're massive behind the scenes going on between hospitals who are willing to pay bonuses and can pay bonuses to draw more nurses uh, to their bedsides, pulls them away from other places that might not be in the financial position to pay such high bonuses. And one thing that's somewhat related, but as the rollout of the vaccine uh, goes out to healthcare workers, um, there are some people who experience side effects who need to take a couple days off. Are they considering that when, uh, you know, seeing the number of nurses, like, are they trying to stagger it so that it's not like one hospital suddenly has no nurses because they all have to, you know, recover from the vaccine? Is that being factored in any of the staffing decisions? Uh, you know, I talked to a, a operations director at Children's, uh, which has just started vaccinating, I think yesterday or the day before that, and he said that indeed, you know, we want to vac people, you know, generally nurses, they work three days on, four days off, 12-hour shifts, so they'll have 36 hours off on the clock and then they'll have four days off. So I think they're trying to kind of put vaccinations on the back end of a rotation so that if they are experienced those side effects while they're off rather than while they need them on the job. Now the one caveat there of course is they're picking up additional shift. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, speaking at his press conference yesterday, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom announced that the state had purchased uh, some refrigerated storage units to deal with the spike in deaths. Field hospitals are opening up across the state. And uh, Dr. Fauci has warned that, you know, we're seeing a surge on top of a surge as we're finally seeing the cases that were contracted during Thanksgiving. When you talk to researchers who are doing the modeling, how close do we know, if we know at all, to being to the darkest days of the pandemic? Are we still in a stage in which things are continuing to get exceedingly worse or is kind of the crest finally appearing here? Gosh, people don't really seem too confident that we're, I sense is that they feel like we're almost on the toe of bad at this point mm -hmm. where, you know, we're not seeing really any, any indications that people's behavior in the community has changed to reduce the transmission rate that, that we've been seeing for a few weeks. And really until we see significant change in behavior, we're kind of going to run at this 2000 case a day kind of bad plateau. And we'll need to see that headed down for a couple weeks before we actually see any benefit in our hospitals as we've seen before. Uh, so, you know, it's, um, 
the issue is that the testing lags a few days, that getting your test results back. So people's behavior might already have changed and we wouldn't know about it for a few days. So, you know, we can just cross our fingers and our toes that we're about to see that daily positivity rate start to slide down. I think the modelers struggle a little bit to understand exactly what the activity is in the community that's driving the transmission rate. So, so there is still that of a lag and a shadow effect that really nobody can pin down. Mm-hmm. Certainly, questions remain. Paul Sisson, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. During the pandemic, the graphics and data team at the San Diego Union Tribune has been updating the latest statistics on COVID-19 every day. These pages have been revamped, so visit them online or in the app. The UT has also partnered with several California newsrooms to better collaborate on stories about COVID-19 in California. The coalition includes the Los Angeles Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, KQED, KPCC, CAP Radio, CalMatters, and big local news at Stanford University. To see the latest COVID-19 data in San Diego County, go to uniontrib.com slash tracking coronavirus. And to see statewide trends, check out the coronavirus tracker on latimes.com. Until next time.